0: Start making our way to our seats. We'll get started here this morning. Wow, that happened quickly. Very good. It's great when we have to tell everybody to stop talking, right? Good fellowship. So we appreciate that. Good morning, and welcome to Gateway. We are great to see everybody this morning. This beautiful, sunshiny day. We want to welcome everybody as well as watching us online. We're so glad you're able to be with us this morning. We do have a few announcements, so I want to go ahead and get started um, to let you know what's going on in the life of our body over the next week or two. First off, tonight at 4 p.m., they are having a prayer time as we do every other week here in the sanctuary. We moved it to 4 o'clock, so many can come. Especially some of the guys. Um, They're going to pray for about an hour from four to five or so. And then you can uh, transfer for the guys that are coming tonight over to the Super Bowl party. So, four o'clock here in the sanctuary, prayer time, uh, just to pray for things in our body, things going on in our lives in the river region. And then the transition happens at five men's Super Bowl party over here in the gym. At 5 o'clock, um, details are on the website. There's still an opportunity to come if you've kind of been thinking about it and go, oh, I, I forgot to sign up. We want you to, if you can do that, even right now on your phones, you can go to gatewaybaptist.com, register, because the young adult men who are you know, hosting this will be looking at the numbers after church and then going to get food and make sure they have enough for everybody. So there's going to be cornhole, the game, fellowship, everything over into the gym tonight at 5 o'clock. Also, we're very excited on Saturday, March 5th. uh, We're doing a Gateways Got Talent evening. Uh, We're very excited about that. Where's my youngest Haley? There she is. Raise your hand Haley. My youngest daughter Haley is organizing this and leading it and we've already got 13 performers signed up. We just really would love for as many of you to come out to support those in our body to uh, just show their gifts and what God has given the ability to do. They'll be singing, dancing, instrumentalists, drama, some monologues. There's all sorts of different things uh, in the arts to be able to enjoy that night. So Saturday, March 5th. 6 o'clock here in the sanctuary. And then just to make you aware of something that's happening a little further out, Saturday, March 19th, we're having a big March family day. It's going to be out at a horse ranch in Wetumpka for everyone to come and participate. Free hot dog cookout activities all afternoon. Again, outdoor games, horseback riding, hayride. We'll get more um, on the blog uh, today and this week to be able to check that out. But just wanted to make you aware to put it out there on your calendars for March 19th. Good day of fellowship and community. On a little more serious note, we wanted to make you aware of an opportunity um, that we're wanting to provide here at Gateway, so we're gonna show a video briefly. I was angry at God for letting this happen.
1: My me-focused life was shattered. I was afraid I was going crazy
0: exhausted from trying to hold it all in and act like I was okay. I felt completely lost. Yeah, it's gonna resentful that life is going on like normal for everyone else.
2: I was lonely, scared of my new normal. I had an intense longing for things as they used to be. Was this pain ever going to go away?
0: lost my husband suddenly and we had three young children.
2: I lost four family
3: members in six weeks. A miscarriage halfway through my pregnancy.
0: Several friends in high school and more recently, my father to heart failure. And I got the phone call that my mom had taken her life. And I just um, will never forget that moment um, in time. Everything just froze. I really felt like things were in control and I had a good handle on everything. I quickly learned that I wasn't in control of anything.
1: My head was in a fog. I didn't know where I was.
0: It was so completely opposite of everything that I knew and trusted and loved about God. I couldn't find that hope. I didn't feel that closeness with the Lord. Why have you chosen to take my brother
3: who loved you so much.
0: When I started the grief recovery program, I really didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be the girl who needed to go to something like this. And I didn't want to share my pain and cry in front of others. It had been 13 years at that point uh, since I had lost my mom. And I felt like I was going to walk into a room and there were going to be people there who had a really fresh loss and I would be taking something away by walking in with my old boss. When I got there though,
1: I was made to feel so at ease that I could express myself and get it off my chest. That what I experienced was common with other people. And man, that was freeing. It was so freeing to find out that I wasn't just crazy.
2: I could put that burden down for a while. I could be honest. Maybe let a little of the crazy out. (laughs) The freedom to to forgive my parents for, for not being around. as silly as that sounds.
1: I used to think that time would heal wounds and time doesn't heal wounds.
0: Grief
3: never really goes away
0: but it can be turned into something different and that something different can be
1: hope because now I have tools to work through it and to go to the Lord immediately and lean on Him.
3: Lamentations 3.32 says that though He brings grief He will also show compassion and yeah I was was grieving and it wasn't fun, but at the same time, he was there and he was sitting with me in my pain and he had community around me. Feelings of loss that bring us together and help us to support each other
0: in ways that bring us outside of our situations to a greater understanding of the bigger picture of what God's trying to do.
3: Jesus tells us there's going to be many troubles in this
1: world,
2: but to take heart, I have overcome the
1: world. I can take the next step. I can do the next thing.
2: And I was relying on myself, the power of one, Instead of relying on the power of the one that I could find true
0: recovery
1: through grief recovery, I found that it's not so much about death, but it's about life.
0: So this ministry and program is very near and dear to me personally. Um, lost my father a little under five years ago, and uh, grief share was something that my mother and I attended, my sister and just has changed our lives. And, um, coming out of COVID as we've done the past couple of years and not just COVID, many of you in this room who I've talked to have had loss in other aspects of life with cancer and other sicknesses and things like that. Um, and just two weeks ago, I lost a cousin who was like my sister. I prayed for Denine from this pulpit. And as they said here, the Lord chose to bring her home at 56 years old. So I just have been talking to Grady and praying about it and felt like it was timing to do this again here at Gateway. And so uh, this recovery time, it's called Grief Share. The dynamic ministry is wonderful. Um, my mother and I have led multiple groups. I've been a part of it three times. We've already done it here at Gateway twice. So I just want to offer it again and make you aware that I would love to have an opportunity to, as the Grief Shares um, Vision is a journey from morning to joy. And so what we're trying to offer is a possibly an opportunity to do this during a Sunday morning, literally during our Sunday Bible study time. It's about an hour and a half long, an hour and 15 minutes. It's a 13-week ministry time that you just commit to in this time to be together as a a group and to go through this book together. Videos, um, a video leads the time. It's about 35 to 40 minutes. And then we just have a time of talking and discussing and encouraging one another, praying with one another. So if you um, desire to be a part of this. Many of you are in different places, and it doesn't have to be a loss that you've just experienced recently. As the lady said, it could have been a loss that you're still struggling with from many years ago. But we would love to offer this as a church. So please talk to me afterwards if you're at all interested. We maybe could do it at my home on a weeknight or a different time frame if Sunday does not work. So I just wanted to make you aware of that opportunity. Um, We felt like it was timely to offer that to our body here. Okay. So if you please stand now as we prepare our hearts to... Worship our amazing God. Just want to declare these few scriptures as we begin our time this morning. Psalm chapter 103, verses 1 through 8. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. in steadfast love. Let's worship our Lord this morning.
2: All right, fellas, you sing with me. Ladies, you follow Nikki.
1: Free Nation,
2: Spirit and His role in our lives, and you know we see in God's Word that it's in His kindness that He leads us to repentance, and that you know you think about that when we, as far as we mess up all the time, we're always falling to our sin, but God, not punishing us, but in His kindness, in His loving kindness, He leads us to repentance, and as we repent, as we get into God's Word and we study God's Word and. Holy Spirit is taking us and sanctifying us, and we're growing more and more in Christ. The more we're seeking Him, the more we're finding Him, and the more that we're finding Him, the more and more we're loving Him because we see God's love for us. We see all the ways in which He loves us and pours out that love on us. So let's just sing that verse one more time. The more I seek you, more I seek you.
0: Just stand in his presence for a moment and just express your love to him from what we just sang, knowing he is here with us intimately. Just express your heart to the Lord this morning. over all things creator of all as we just sang we find him but he runs to us as well During, just like the prodigal the father heart of God is to come to us to rescue us to know us that we get to know the God of the universe intimately that he gives us the ability through his spirit to seek him to find him to know him to love him love what we just sang, just that imagery, God, of us laying back upon you and resting in you and finding that peace and comfort that only you can bring, that strength that only you can bring, the hope that is only in you. And as we just sang, God, sometimes that is overwhelming, but we thank you that you allow us to come to you that way, to relate with you, to know you, pray for the remaining time here. We just pray, Holy Spirit, you continue to do what you do, to move upon us, to help our hurting hearts, to help our broken lives, and trusting them to you, Lord. Because you're good and faithful and just and holy. And because of who you are, God, we can come each week and bring these petitions before you, opportunities for us to intercede for Individuals and ministries and the nations to offer up thanksgiving for who you are and gratefulness because you are so good. And Lord, this morning we thank you so much for our Gateway senior adults. We thank you for them being a part of our family here and how much they mean to us, Lord, that you've brought them here with their wisdom, with their experiences, with their love. We pray, God, for protection over them, for health. Many of them have not been able to be with us over the past few months due to health situations. We thank you that many are here today and those watching at home. God, continue to encourage them and remind them, Lord, that they are so needed for the kingdom, that they're not done, that they have opportunities to bless their families and bring wisdom and insight and discernment and encouragement to their families and those around them and their spheres of influence. Just bless them, Lord. Encourage them today. Know that we love them. And we so appreciate them, Lord, and bringing them to be a part of us. Lord, we also thank you for the opportunity just as a Gateway family this week to be able to live our lives missionally, to live our lives for others, to allow others' desires and interests be more important than our own. And God, we pray for opportunities despite our fears and our doubts and anxiety, in different situations, Lord, that you would give us opportunities this week to be salt and light, to be your ambassadors, to represent you well, to have opportunities not just to show our faith, but to share it, to speak truth into other people's lives in all of our spheres of influences among our families, among our schools and campuses, our jobs, social situations, God. Give us those opportunities, Lord, to just declare your gospel to help bring light into this dark world. And we thank you. And again, what a privilege it is that we can do so. Lord, we thank you each week that we can encourage and lift up and pray for another part of the family here in Montgomery. And Lord, we just lift up this morning, Pastor Mark Bethay in First Baptist Church downtown. He was able to share with me this week some of their prairie concerns. And he was very grateful that we're praying for them this morning. And God is there recovering from that fire that was set by an arsonist back in October. God, we continue to pray for your blessings upon them as they're still waiting for many things to come in to to recover and to fix things and carpet and other things. He said has just been very fatiguing and weary for him and his leadership in the body. They're having to use their old sanctuary as Everything else is getting fixed throughout their building where the fire spread. And Lord, I just love this young man's heart. He's just an incredible man of God that you've placed him there in one of our most influential churches in this city. And his heart is for this, this lady named Alice who actually set the fire, who they have been praying for faithfully. That God, we just ask you right now as his brothers and sisters in Christ, that you would convict this precious woman who made a mistake, who was leading out in her flesh and her soul, but God, they're praying for her salvation. And so are we. We pray that you would convict her Draw her to yourself, God. Bring her to a place of repentance. I was told many of them, himself and others in their body, have reached out to her to try to visit her and to bring the gospel, to bring forgiveness. And we pray that you would just change her heart, Lord, and restore her to you. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we can pray for our brothers and sisters across the world and the nations. And so this morning, we lift up the Beng people in a village of Mondagudu in the Ivory Coast country of, near, in Africa. Lord, we thank you for missionaries that are in this village there who are wanting to plant a church, who are impacting the nation of Ivory Coast. And Lord, we pray for boldness. We pray for opportunities and resources of those Christians that are in that village to be able to plant this church as they are up against major spiritual warfare with uh, witchcraft and ancestral worship, which is a part of the people group that live there. God, we pray your protection over them. We pray for wisdom and just God, you bring everything that they need to plant this church to allow them opportunities to disciple the Christians in that community and then for them to go into their families and their friends around them to share the gospel. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to give today. And those that have given online, we thank you so much. You are a good God. You have blessed us immensely. We thank you for your provision. We just thank you for your opportunity to be good stewards of what you've given us for your kingdom work, of what we're doing here at Gateway. And we ask you to bless that, Lord. And lastly, we thank you so much, Lord, for Grady, for our shepherd. We thank you for his heart to love us, to serve us, to protect us, to teach us. We pray that you fill him afresh this morning, God, with your spirit, who he's going to be talking about. We thank you, Lord. And we just pray that you give him health and strength and that you would guide and direct everything that takes place as he shares today. God, we love you. We praise you. You are good and faithful. And we honor you today in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: In kids, first to fourth grade, you're dismissed to kids' worship right now. So first to fourth graders, you got Miss Jennifer and Mr. Tom today. Well, as the kids make their way out, Gateway Family, if you want to find John chapter 16 in your copy of God's Word, John chapter 16. And guys, if you pull down the lights a little bit for me so I can see a little better. Maybe we'll see. There we go. Thanks. I can see you again. So find John chapter 16. We are now beginning the third and final section of the New City Catechism that is guiding us through. This journey. Yes, we're two-thirds of the way done through our study of being more rooted and grounded in the Word of God, a study that should take us till the beginning of summer. And today as we begin this new section, we come to the topic of the Holy Spirit. And so this week and next week, we're going to combine two of those questions to, together and address them in two parts. So our questions for this morning and for next week are: what do we believe about the Holy Spirit? And how does the Holy Spirit help us? So our questions are, what do we believe about the Holy Spirit, and how does the Holy Spirit help? Help us. Now, we already started this topic last week when we came to the end of section two. And if you remember from last week, we asked the question, where does our faith come from? Since faith is a gift from God and it comes through God's grace alone, through faith alone, where does our faith come from? And last week we saw that the Holy Spirit gave us our faith and he sustains our faith still today. So last week we saw the foundational way that the Holy Spirit helps us as he gives us our faith and he sustains our faith. What we call saving faith and transforming faith. Now, today and next Sunday, we're going to see two more ways that the Holy Spirit helps us. We're going to see today He helps us by guiding us. The next day, we'll look about how the Holy Spirit helps us by empowering us to serve. So three weeks, starting last week, the Holy Spirit gives us faith, the Holy Spirit guides us, and next week, the Holy Spirit empowers us to serve. Now, friends, that is not at all an exhaustive list of the ways the Holy Spirit helps us. That's a start for us as we seek to dig in to understand more of the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, But for today, how does the Holy Spirit helps us by guiding us? So how does he do that? How does the Holy Spirit guide us? We're going to find our answer today in John chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. So I'm going to ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God. And as we read, be looking for, how does the Holy Spirit help us by guiding us? John chapter 16, verse 13, I'm reading out the English Standard Version. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful for your word. We're so thankful that you've shown us who you are, And this morning, particularly, as we look at what the Lord Jesus said about who the Holy Spirit is, I pray that you would use this to grow us and to grow our love for you and to grow our heart to know you and our heart to know your word. And so we ask, as we do, week after week, Holy Spirit, that you would come and you would open our eyes to understand this text, to give us understanding of the wonders of what we're talking about this morning. What I pray you would guard us from just looking at these in academic ways or just doing this out of habit, but we would this morning have a sense of awe, that we get to talk about you. So I pray you would work that in our hearts for your glory and for our joy. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, as we dig in this morning, just some context of what we're looking at, we're obviously in John's gospel, this good news about the life of Christ. And we're in a section of John's gospel that's been called the final discourse. Now, Jesus has... Lots of teachings during his life. And in this last section here of his teachings, before he goes to the cross, they call it the final discourse. Because the cross is just a few chapters away here in John's Gospel. And in this final discourse, you find some of the richest teachings about the Holy Spirit anywhere in Scripture. In fact, in this section of the final discourse, there's five different passages where Jesus explains who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. And we come to the last of those five passages about the Holy Spirit Today, Now, to answer our question of how the Holy Spirit helps us, we have to start foundationally at who the Holy Spirit is. And we've already seen this and alluded to this before, but the foundational truth at the core of this is the Holy Spirit is God himself. We've seen this when we've looked at the Trinity back in March. We saw this last week. But the Holy Spirit is not a force, is not an it. It is the third person of the one true God. Eternally always, he the Holy Spirit of the one, one person of the one true God. God. Now, we see that in our text today. Go back to verse 13. Let's see how we see here that the Holy Spirit is God. The very first phrase, when the Spirit of truth comes. Now, how do we know this is describing his deity, the fact that the Holy Spirit is God? There's two things here that tell us that he is God. The first one's really easy to miss, and that is the pronoun that she used here, when the, the Spirit of truth comes. Now, English is a very Non-specific language, right? You can use the to describe a boy, a girl, something that's a chair. We use it generally. But in the Greek language in which this was written, these are very specific. There's a masculine "the" and a feminine "the and a neutral "the" that you could use for different things. When you look at the "the" here, the "the" that's described here is not the neutral "the" that you would use if it was like a chair or a force or something. It's the masculine "the," that he, the Holy Spirit, is what Jesus is communicating here for us. In fact, probably the translation that best captures this verse is the New American Standard because it begins this verse, but when he, the spirit of truth comes. And that's exactly what the Greek is communicating, that the Holy Spirit is God. as he, the Holy Spirit. The second thing that tells us that the spirit is God is this description that follows, that the spirit of truth. Now, this is a description of his character, what you might call one of his attributes. And this is a very attribute of God himself. We see Jesus' take on this attribute. John chapter 14, verse 6, just two chapters earlier, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the, what? The truth, that Jesus says he's the truth, it's his attribute. The Father is truth, the Son is truth, and yes, the Spirit is truth also. We see that in 1 John chapter 5, verse 6, that this attribute applies to the Holy Spirit. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. Sermon for another day. Here's the part for today. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the What? The Spirit is the truth. So we go back to verse 13 this morning, and he is described as the Spirit, again, masculine pronoun here, the Spirit of truth. He is himself God. That means he has no beginning. He didn't begin when he came. He has always been God, and he always will be. That means he, the Holy Spirit, has always been at work. You go all the way back to Genesis 1, if you want to read that later, and you see the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. He has always been God. He has always been working. But even though he's always been God and always been working, there was a promise in the Old Testament that he would start working in a new way in the time of the new covenant once Christ has come. Ezekiel chapter 36. And notice what's described about the work of the Holy Spirit. The prophecy from Ezekiel says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. It shall be clean from all your uncleanliness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. Verse 26 carries on. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. Or move the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Now verse 27, and I will put my spirit, where? Within, within you. and will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my Rules, Friends, that is incredible that God had prophesied all the way back in Ezekiel that a time was coming when the Holy Spirit wouldn't just work on people. He would actually fill people and work within them. That's why if you look even in the Old Testament, King David would pray, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Because we don't ever have to pray that anymore. Because the Holy Spirit dwells within God's people always and forever. That's why Jesus told his disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 verse 3, we see that. Jesus himself presented himself alive to them, the disciples, after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. So they're supposed to wait for something, which he said, you heard from me. Verse 5, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with who? The Holy Spirit, not many days from now. So Jesus told them this was coming. And we looked at the text last week, you can read it later in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit falls on the disciples and fills them, they begin to bear witness in Jerusalem and you see the birth of the church. And friends, since that time, everyone who is a follower of Christ is filled with the Holy Spirit. When you trust Christ, the Holy Spirit fills you. So you go back to verse 13 of our text today, and we're told, when the Spirit of truth comes. Now this is Jesus talking before that happened in Acts 1 and 2. And so he's pointing his disciples to what was to come. For us, we're now looking back because, this has, because he, the Holy Spirit, has already come. And this is the reality in which you and I now get to live. And notice what the Holy Spirit now does for us that Jesus told the disciples would soon happen. Back in verse 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Now, there's one verb here to describe the action of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, he does lots of things. There's lots of texts we could look at. But in this text, the one thing that's focused on of what the Holy Spirit does is he guides us. Now, friends, what does it mean to have a guide or to be a guide? Well, if you've ever traveled to a foreign city in a foreign country, you know what a guide does. When they get you through a city with a place you can't speak the language and you're not sure where you're going, the guide gets you through that. If you've ever been whitewater rafting, you know the importance of having a guide to get you down that unfamiliar river so you come out alive at the other end of your adventure, right? If you go backpacking with us in the woods, you know the importance of a guide to keep you from getting lost. If you think about all those scenarios of what guides do, guides really have two tasks in any of those situations. One, to make sure you know what you need to know right? So if you're whitewater rafting, the guide makes sure you're equipped with the knowledge you need to survive the river. If you go backpacking with us, the guides will make sure that we don't get lost in the little sipsy wilderness where there's no cell phone signal, right? They, they make sure you know what you need to know to get through that journey. But second of all, a guide makes sure you reach the destination. The guide makes sure you don't get lost in the foreign city. The guide makes sure you don't die on the river. The guide makes sure you come back out of the wilderness area you've been hiking in. The guides make sure you know what you need to know and then make sure you reach your intended destination. Friends, you know I love backpacking. You see my pictures online. You hear me talk about it a lot. But I probably would never have gotten into it several years ago if Mike and Brad here in the church hadn't convinced me to go with them. I would never have gone out into the middle of a Sipsi wilderness with no cell phone signal and just try to figure out how to navigate that. People get lost out there and disappear for days out there. But I had guides with me who told me what to do to be prepared who made sure I had the right equipment, who showed me the trail, who kept me on the unmarked trail, and who got me out alive, and it was a great experience, so now I do it a lot a lot of times now because I had a guide who helped us on that. That's a very small picture of what the Holy Spirit does for us. He makes sure we understand everything we need to know to follow God, and he perseveres us to make sure we reach the end and make it to heaven one day. That's why two chapters earlier, Jesus uses a term to describe him called the helper. Look back at John 14, 16. Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give to you another helper. Now, helper's capitalized here because he's talking about the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever. Now, the Greek word here for helper is the word paraclete. Now, not parakeet. Okay, that's a bird. This is paraclete. Now, the word paraclete is simply the Greek word for helper. So sometimes you'll hear people talk about the Holy Spirit and call him the paraclete. He is the helper. It's a Greek word that literally means the one who's called to be beside you. He's the one who is called to be beside you. Now, put that together, what we just saw in John 16. That means the Holy Spirit is not far off from us at the distance, being like, hey, this way down the trail, I hope you don't get lost. Ha ha. You know, he's not distant from us. He's literally right there beside us. In the language of Ezekiel's prophecy, he's not just beside us, he's actually within us, guiding us, being our helper. For this is a breathtaking promise and a breathtaking reality. For us, that there will never be a time in your life if you're in Christ that He, the Holy Spirit, is not right there beside you and in you, guiding you. That means there will never be a place you'll go in this life if you're in Christ where He, the Holy Spirit, is not right there beside you and within you, guiding you and leading you on this journey, making sure you know what you need to know and making sure you do not get lost on this journey towards heaven. Now, friends, that raises a massively important question How does He do that? How does the Holy Spirit guide us on this journey of life? And scripture shows us the primary main way he will guide us. And friends, there's lots of things the Holy Spirit does, but the scripture here highlights for us his main task, his main way of guiding us. Go back to verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Now just stop right there. He says He's going to guide us into all the truth. Several huge words here we must not quickly pass over. They're little words but packed full of meaning. First, it says he will guide us into something. To guide us into something means he has a particular path and destination for us, that his guidance has a very clear direction. That means that he has all of us on the same path, so to speak, of how he is going to guide us. And what is he guiding us into? What's the direction he's pointing you and me in Christ? What's he pointing us to? He's pointing us into all the truth. Now, unfortunately, some translations drop the word the here before truth. But the the is here in the Greek, and it's so important. He's not guiding us into truth, into, into truth in general. He's guiding us into the truth. Now, that is a very important distinction for us because there's a big difference in being guided into truth versus being guided into the truth. That means the Holy Spirit's primary mission is not guiding us to know random facts about life for our curiosity's sake. That we can do that. He's God. He can do whatever he wants to do. It does not, That also means that his primary function is not to guide us into the truth of how astrophysics works. Though he could because he created it all, so he is God. So he could do that, but that's not his primary mission. This also means his primary mission is not making sure we know everything about everything in life. He's guiding us into the truth. That means he's leading us to know a certain body of truth. He's leading us to know, to deeply know, and to deeply love a certain body of truth. And what is that truth? The revealed truth of God, the scripture, the Bible that you're holding, that is the truth that the Holy Spirit's main mission is, is to guide us into, that he, is, he fills us to guide us with the scriptures, to guide us with the truth. That means the Spirit's primary function is not new revelation, but is primarily to guide us into the already existing revelation of God that has been given to us. And the rest of this verse reinforces that. Look back at verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Now look at what Jesus says. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Notice that phrase, whatever he hears. Who's he hearing from? The Father. And the Son, he's revealing to us the things that the Father and the Son have already said. He doesn't have his own agenda, but he's guiding us by declaring to us, by speaking to us the truths that the Father and the Son have already declared for us. That means what we need from the Holy Spirit is a fuller understanding of the revelation that God has already given to us. The fuller understanding of the revelation of Scripture. Friends, that's why around here, one of our core values that drives all we do as a church is something we call the sufficiency of Scripture. Sufficiency of Scripture just means that everything we need for life and Godliness, God has already given to us here. We don't have to wonder what God's will is. He's made it clear. He's put it in writing in His grace right before us. Scripture is sufficient for what we need. But friends, we need a guide to help us understand this Scripture, Now, some people go, but wait, Grady, what about this last phrase here in verse 13? He's going to declare to you the things that are to come. Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, there's a lot of different interpretations on this, but this, in my understanding, does not mean he's going to tell you and I what's going to happen tomorrow. Now, he's God. He can. He can do whatever he wants to do. We don't want to put God in a box and say, God can't do these things. But this is not for us a promise that God's going to show me what's going to happen tonight at five o'clock. This doesn't mean that CJ's going to know right now who's going to win the Super Bowl tonight, right? He may have some ideas on that. I don't even know who's playing, but C.J. probably already has an idea who's going to win, right? You know? So this isn't a promise for us that the Holy Spirit's going to reveal to us future things in our own personal lives. This was a specific promise initially to the disciples who would write Scripture. This was a promise to them that God would show them what the future looks like for the church so they could equip the church for it. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. Look at what it says. For no prophecy, that's telling what's to come, was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God... Because they were carried along by who? The Holy Spirit. So this is telling us how Scripture came about. That God, the Holy Spirit, spoke to the writers of Scripture and spoke His truth through them. That's why we have the book of Revelation. That's why we know what's going to happen at the end of time. That's how we know that Christ is going to come back. Because the disciples wrote down for us what the Holy Spirit showed them. So this is a promise specifically to them initially that he declares to them what's to come so that we can know the future path of the church. But there is application for us as well. Go back to verse 13. He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. That means, friends, when you and I read scripture, particularly like the book of Revelation or even things in Matthew's gospel... We know what the end looks like. We don't have to wonder the end of the story because God in his grace has recorded it for us and the Holy Spirit gives us understanding of it so we know what's going to happen. This also means for us that the promises of Scripture that we're going to have trials. We're going to face persecution for our faith. We're going to find hostility for our faith. He's told us the things that are to come in Scripture and he's equipped us now as our guide to make sure we walk through this life doing those things. The point of this for us now is that the Holy Spirit guides us into the already revealed truth of Scripture. Now, how does he guide us in these, in these ways? Two things he does to guide us. Number one, he gives us understanding of the Scriptures. He gives us understanding of the Scriptures. Now, the big word for this in theology is the word illumination. Now, we saw in 2 Peter a minute ago, we would call that inspiration. He inspired the authors of Scripture to write it down so it was God's clear revelation with no errors for us. So he he inspired them, but for us, he illuminates it. He gives us understanding. So when you're reading Scripture and suddenly something that was confusing to you makes sense, that's because the Holy Spirit is working within you. You're reading Scripture, you're reading a passage, you've read your whole life, and all of a sudden you see something, you're like, whoa, that's amazing, I've never noticed that. It's because the Holy Spirit is giving illumination to the text, when you're reading it, and that verse is exactly what you needed to hear, that's because the Holy Spirit has brought it to the forefront for you to help you in that. When you feel conviction over sin as you read scriptures, because the Holy Spirit is giving you illumination over the text, and even that song we sang earlier, when you feel awe and thankfulness and being overwhelmed in God's presence, because the Holy Spirit is giving you understanding from the scripture of who God is. So, he number one, he gives us understanding; he illuminates the text for us. But number two. He gives us remembrance of Scripture. He brings Scripture back to our mind. So if you're ever at a place and you don't have your Bible in front of you, you're talking about Jesus with a non-believer, and all of a sudden you know a verse to point them to to help them understand, that's because the Holy Spirit has brought to your mind Scripture to share in that situation. Or if you're in the middle of a temptation and you're fighting a temptation and you don't have the Bible to open right there and a verse comes to mind that helps you resist that temptation, that's because the Holy Spirit has reminded you of it, or perhaps you're down and struggling and some scripture comes up to remind you how much God loves you. That's the Holy Spirit bringing to your remembrance. Because we have a guide within us who dwells within us and walks beside us to remind us of scripture, to help us understand scripture, to guide us through this life. Now let's make that very practical. I want you to think of a few situations of how the Holy Spirit could do this. So for example, perhaps you're in a place Where you're beginning to doubt your salvation. And the enemy is stirring that up when you're not sure. I'm not even sure I'm really a follower of Christ. Well, that's why you have the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit gives you assurance of salvation. Romans chapter 8 verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So he can do that however he wants to do it. He's God. He can do what he wants to do. But often the way he does that is not just through a subjective sense that he can do that. But he does that by reminding us of scripture. Such as Romans chapter 10 Verse 9, you're struggling with assurance of salvation. You remember, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. And the Holy Spirit takes that text and gives you remembrance of that text and gives you understanding of that text and gives you an anchoring in that going, I am a child of God because of God's grace. That's how the Holy Spirit works, taking the word of God to do what he loves to do. Perhaps we saw the video earlier, perhaps you're grieving And so the Holy Spirit becomes the comforter. He guides you. He comforts you. Acts chapter 9 verse 31 describes him doing this for the church. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord, notice this, and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And multiplied. Because believers had the Holy Spirit in them, they found supernatural Comfort. Now, how did the Holy Spirit do that? Yes, because he was dwelling within them, but often he did it by reminding them of scriptures, of the promises of God, by bringing understanding and remembrance to what God has said. For example, Matthew twenty-eight twenty. We think of this in terms of missions, but it has so much to speak to grieving when Jesus says, I am with you always. There in the midst of your grief, you remember Jesus is with you and the Holy Spirit brings that to mind to comfort you because he is a God of comfort. Perhaps you're struggling in the, the hardships of life and you're feeling hopeless. Well, the Holy Spirit is there to give you hope. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And because the Holy Spirit is your guide, is dwelling within you, you find hope. Now, how does he do it? He can do it however he wants to. But one of the main tools he uses is Scripture. So he takes you back to remind you of something like Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And he reminds you that for those who love God... All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So he takes your mind back and gives you understanding of this and gives you grace to believe this and to know in the midst of the hardships that God is at work even in ways you do not see. How about if you're in a place where you're struggling to love another brother or sister? And that never happens, right? That you're having a hard time to love someone else. He, the Holy Spirit, is there to guide you and help you with that because he loves to create unity. Ephesians chapter 4 Verse 3, you see, the the Holy Spirit here is eager to maintain, that we're to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit, that He wants to create unity. Now, how can He do that? He can do it however He wants to do, but the main thing He uses to create unity is Scripture. Go back one verse to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, and He perhaps will bring to our mind that we're to treat each other with humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another. And love. And so he'll take our mind back to scripture, give us understanding of that and remembrance of that to bring conviction in our hearts of where we have failed to love another brother and sister. One more last example. What do you do if you're not sure what to do? You're at a crossroads and you're just like, I don't know what to do with this decision. Well, God has given you a guide to help by giving you wisdom. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. This is specifically to King David here, but notice this and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. That the Holy Spirit is God. He has all wisdom because he's fully God. And he loves to impart wisdom. Now how can he do that? How well he's God. He can do it however he wants to do it. But primarily he loves to take us back to Scripture. James chapter one verse five to remind us of this promise. If you lack wisdom, ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. and It'll be given to him. He'll take our minds back to scriptures that speak into these situations, what we would call having a biblical worldview. So I hope you see just a glimpse of how that process works, that he, the Holy Spirit, delights in dwelling in God's people. He wants to guide us, and he primarily does that by taking us back to the word of God, giving us understanding and giving us remembrance of that. This what Paul describes in Romans chapter eight verse fourteen is being led by the Spirit. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And it's what I'm just describing is not just for super Christians, right? It's not just for the missionaries, right? It's not just for the people in ministry. This is the normal Christian life. That if you are in Christ, this should be the process you're experiencing day. By day, That the Holy Spirit is dwelling within you, guiding you, leading you primarily by pointing you back to the word of God because you are a child of God. There is no such thing as a Christian who does not have the Holy Spirit working within them. And how does he delight in working in us? Go back to verse 13 this morning. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in to all the truth. Now that raises the question for us, why does he do this? And this is an incredibly helpful perspective to keep us from some of the the abuses perhaps that have you seen happening in some theology and some beliefs. Why does the Holy Spirit do the things he does? And this is so important. And he tells us here in verse 14. Notice what Jesus says. He, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, Christ, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He does all that he does for the glory of Jesus. He's always pointing people back to Jesus. His mission in guiding us is to make much of Christ. Now the imagery that most helped me understand this is something that a theologian named J.I. Packer wrote. J.I. J. Packer compared the work of the Holy Spirit to a floodlight. Okay, now I know this may sound strange, so hang with me for a minute to hear what Packer is saying here. If you go downtown to the Capitol building at night, the Capitol building is not in shadows. You can see the beauty of the Capitol building downtown because there's floodlights all around lighting up. It's glowing white. You can see the dome. You can see the columns. You can see everything because it's brightly lit up. At night, there's big lights in front of skyscrapers, big lights in front of university buildings on campuses, because it's lighting it up. And here's what Packer says: is that when flood lighting is well done, the floodlights are so placed that you do not see them. You're not supposed to see where the light is coming from. What you are meant to see is the building on which the floodlights are turned. The intended effect is to make it visible when otherwise it would not it would not be seen for the darkness, and to maximize its dignity so that you see it properly. Now, here's the application he draws. It is as if the Spirit stands behind us, throwing light over our shoulders on Jesus, who stands facing us. Let that sink in. He says, the Holy Spirit is standing behind us, throwing light over our shoulders onto Jesus, who stands facing us. The Spirit's message to us is always, look at him, see his glory, listen to him, hear his word, go to him, have life, get to know him, and take this gift of joy and peace. Friends, that image helped me understand what this is saying. The Holy Spirit is that floodlight that makes Christ be seen to us. It helps us see his beauty and his glory and to know who he is. Now, how does he make much of Christ? First of all, by showing Christ to us. Shining the floodlight on scripture so that we see Jesus for who he is. Bringing to our remembrance who Christ is as we're going through the days. As you're driving down the road and obviously start thinking about Christ dying for your sins. And you think about Christ redeeming you. That's the Holy Spirit making much of Christ to you but he also makes much of Christ by making much of Christ through you. As he transforms you and you find hope in the trials, you find joy in the midst of the grieving, you find freedom from the temptations, you find the strength to love someone who you are struggling to love. That's because the Holy Spirit is showing a transformed life that cannot be explained apart from the work of God. But he also likes to make much of Christ, and this is for next week, by empowering you to serve. He's gifting you and giving you strength to do things for others, to point people to Christ, And as he does that, the result is a countercultural life that makes much of Christ. Now let's try to bring all that together and let's to see where we are here. So how does the Holy Spirit help us? I hope you've already seen this, but here's a summary of all of this, what I believe John 16 is all about. Here's how the Holy Spirit helps us. The Holy Spirit primarily guides us by giving us an understanding and remembrance of Scripture to make much of Christ. He guides us. He gives us understanding. He gives us remembrance of the Word of God so that we make much of Christ. And this is how he primarily works. Friends, we're not going to put God in a box and say he doesn't do other things. We see examples in scripture, the Holy Spirit working in ways outside of this. But the primary way that he has called his people to, to be part of what's going on here is for him to show us the scripture, to give us understanding and to give us remembrance. Because the reality, friends, is you and I need help every day. There's not a day that we do not need a guide. There's not a day that we do not need remembrance of these things. The Holy Spirit daily is going to remind us of the truth of Scripture and give us understanding. Friends, that is an incredible hope. That's an incredible promise. That's an incredible truth that we are not alone in this life, that we have a guide who is going to do this for us. But even though this is an incredible hope and an incredible grace gift of God, we have a responsibility in this. In fact, We have two responsibilities I believe this text calls us to. Number one this text calls us to ask him to do these things. This text for us is an invitation to ask him. We're not going to look at it this morning. We've seen it before, but Ephesians 5 tells us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a command in Scripture to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but it's a command that we can't do ourselves. In the Greek, it's passive. He has to do it for us. So our regular prayer should involve asking the Holy Spirit to do his work in us. That's why before I preach, a lot of Sundays I'm praying for the Holy Spirit to give us eyes to see, because I can't understand it on my own, you can't understand it on your own, but the Holy Spirit delights in giving us understanding. And friends, as we walk through each day, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to be filling us and doing His work in us. But there's a second responsibility we have as well. This truth means we must be studying Scripture. This truth means we must be immersed in Scripture. Friends, this is a massive warning for us that perhaps someone here needs to hear, if the Holy Spirit's primary way of working is illuminating Scripture, then if we're not studying Scripture, we take away the very thing that he most delights in using to help God's people. Friends, Donald Whitney has a great book we have in the Resource Center called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. He says this, When Scripture is stored in your mind, it is available for the Holy Spirit to bring to your attention when you need it most. A pertinent scriptural truth brought to your awareness by the Holy Spirit at the right moment can be the weapon that makes a difference in a spiritual battle. That the Holy Spirit takes these weapon, the weapon of the Word of God and uses it to empower us to walk in freedom before God. Yet the reality is for many who claim the name of Christ and perhaps even some here, we spend very little time reading, studying, meditating, thinking about the Word of God. Whitney continues. This is so convicting. He says, The Word is the sword of the Spirit, but if there's no Bible physically accessible to you, then the weapon of the word must be present in the armory of your mind. I love that imagery that the weapon of the word must be present in the armory of your mind in order for the Spirit to wield it. It says, Imagine yourself in the middle of a decision and needing guidance, or you're struggling with a difficult temptation and needing victory. The Holy Spirit enters your mental arsenal and looks around for weapons, and he only finds John 3:16. Those are great swords, but it's not made for every battle. And the point for us here is that God is calling us to immerse ourselves in knowing the word of God. And the Holy Spirit will bring understanding and the Holy Spirit will bring remembrance. So we are equipped for all he's called us to do. Now again, the reality is in the world we live in, many struggle with the discipline of studying the word of God. And friends, if that's you, there's no guilt, there's no shame, there's no condemnation. But we want to help you go deeper in the word of God because that is what we need, the sufficiency of Scripture. There's three resources I want to mention. If you're struggling to be in knowing the Word like you should, there's three things I want to point you to this morning. Number one is the Dwell app. CJ mentioned it, but I think we have it back up on the screen for you. Friends, this is such a grace gift from God that you can listen to the Bible while you read along. There's a read-along thing, so you're actually reading the text of the Scripture while someone's reading it to you. So you're hearing it and seeing it at the same time. It's got a reading plan, a checklist so every day you get a reminder. My phone beats at me at the same time every day to remind me, have you read Scripture today? And friends, in 15 minutes a day, You can read the whole Bible in one year. So seriously, 15 minutes a day, you read the entire Bible in one year. Most of us spend more than 15 minutes a day wasting time in other ways. And for that short investment time, we can read all of the counsel of God, all the inspired words of God in less than one year. So if you don't have it, you see the link up there to get it. I I want to plead with you to use that as a tool to help you. Second of all, if you want a big picture of why you need to be studying Scripture, beyond what we're talking about this morning, there's a great book in the Resource Center called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. I just referenced that from Donald Whitney. He has got a f- two full chapters in there on why we need scripture and how to grow in doing it. If you're looking for practical tools to help you grow in reading the Bible, go pick up that book. He's got amazing guidance that God has given to us to help us know how to study scripture. But number three, if you're struggling, don't miss the grace gift of community. God has given you friends who want to walk alongside you. None of us are made to walk this journey alone. And this is not a call for you just with white knuckle determination to go, I'm going to read my Bible more this year. I'm going to try harder. That friend's not doesn't work. We fall flat on our face. Reach out to community. God has given you the grace gift of friends here who are mature in their faith, whether it's the elders or the deacons or your small group leaders. Reach out to another believer and say, hey, man, I'm really not where I need to be in knowing the word of God. When the the spirit of God enters the arsenal of my mind in the battles, there's not much for him to pull from. Would you help me grow in this? There's so many in this room right here who would love to walk alongside you in helping you grow in those things, Friends, the Holy Spirit guides us primarily by giving us an understanding and a remembrance of Scripture in order to make much of Christ. So I want to ask you this morning, do you have Holy Spirit-given faith today? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has rescued you, and saved you, and redeemed you, and that He, the Holy Spirit, is dwelling within you? And friends, if not, that's the starting point, to cry out and say, God, please rescue me, please save me. But friends, if you do, if you do know that you're a child of God, my question for you is simple. How is the Holy Spirit using the Word of God to shape you and change you? As you look back over this year, as you look over last year, how is the Holy Spirit illuminating Scripture for you? How is the Holy Spirit bringing to mind Scripture for you? And friends, if it's not where you want it to be, remember the two things we do? Ask Him for it. Begin in your prayer time to say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, please do your work in me. Sanctify me, grow me, give me a desire for the word of God. Give me a desire for prayer. Just ask him to start creating within you these desires. And then two, to find help to do it, to run back to the word and watch what happens as you open scripture day by day going, Holy Spirit, teach me. Holy Spirit, show me what I need to learn from here. Holy Spirit. We bring these truths to my mind. And when you're in the moment of temptation or the moment of needing wisdom, to crowd to me and say, Holy Spirit, fill me right now. Show me from the word of God what you would have me do. And just watch what he does in your life because he delights in giving you understanding. He delights in re- giving you remembrance of scripture so that you can make much of Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, we are grateful for your word. We are grateful that your sovereign plan and kindness to us, you gave us salvation. And God, we are so grateful that you've given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray this would be a week that for myself and for these precious brothers and sisters that we would experience walking in the Holy Spirit, that we'd experience your Holy Spirit working within us to make much of Christ, to transform us and sanctify sanctify us and grow us for the glory of God. And Father, if there's anyone here in person, anyone watching online, and they've never experienced this, they've never experienced your transforming work because they don't know you, would you give them eyes to see that today? Lord, we know there are so many in the world who think they're okay with you when the reality is they really are not. And so, Lord, I pray today if there's anyone here who thinks they're okay with you, but they've never really have had the experience of saving, transforming faith, that your Holy Spirit will be at work to show them that, to open their eyes to their condition. So they cry out to you and run to you and find the freedom that their souls long for. And Lord, for all of us, I pray we would not treat lightly the gift of the Holy Spirit. God, we have you yourself, the third person, the eternal God, dwelling within us, giving us new desires, new affection, new understanding, and so much more. But I pray we long to walk being led by the Spirit each and every day. So we can't manufacture that, we can't create that, but you can. So we ask, Holy Spirit, you would come and fill each one of us, your children to make us more and more like Christ. We ask it for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen, would you stand as we sing our closing song? to God would you ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit this day would you ask God this week to give you new understanding new insights into his word Would you ask him this week to bring to your remembrance the truth from the word of God you need for every situation? Would you ask him for much grace to grow in delighting in knowing him? Father, these are big prayers that your people have just prayed. or for understanding to your divine words for remembrance in all the situations where we need it. Lord, and to focus on your glory, to delight in you. Oh Lord, hear these big prayers that have just been prayed. Would you build up the faith of these precious brothers and sisters this week as they watch you move, doing what only you can do. And I pray you'll fill our lives with joy and hope as the Holy Spirit guides us this week. And in doing so, you will bring much glory to yourself. And we ask you to in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, Gateway family.